Morning, church. My name is Carl. I'm one of the pastors here. Thank you so much for tuning in this morning. We're so glad to be joining you in your living room, wherever we're at. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, we're in this series called uh, Future and a Hope, and we're wrapping it up tonight. We're going to be jumping into Luke starting next week. We're super excited for that. But as we get going, would you guys just join me in prayer? Father, thank you so much, God, that you bind us together as your family with your presence in every one of us. God, that you are in our hearts, you are deeply involved in our lives in ways that we don't even understand. And so God, I pray right now that you'd move by the power of your spirit, would you humble us? God, would you teach us today, God, how to trust you more, to put more of our trust in you, to give you more of our lives. God, you are so good. You are so worthy of our trust. We love you. We trust that you're going to move in your name. Amen. All right, so I'm just going to start out by saying I'm so sick of COVID-19. I'm so sick of it. It's changed so many things over these last couple months. And one of them is kind of, it's created this kind of like sneezing or coughing shame culture. And I know Chad has brought this up before, but I've experienced where I was, I was in the, at Walmart, I was looking at some produce, inspecting it as one does, just to make sure it's good. And as I was doing that, I kind of had a rough swallow, you know, like where you kind of like swallow down the wrong tube a little bit. So I was like, <clears throat> kind of clearing the throat a little bit. And I look up from the produce and I saw some people just kind of like looking at me like, oh, you, I can't believe you're going to spread COVID. And it's like, no, I, and I felt like I had to explain myself. I was like, no, 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 like swallowed down the wrong tube, but they just didn't want to hear it. And they were just mad and walked away. But it just kind of created this, this culture of like sneeze or cough shaming. And I was thinking about this yesterday because I started to get a stuffy nose and it sounded like I hadn't even like breathed out of my nose before ever yesterday. And it wasn't because of COVID. It wasn't because of sickness, but it's because I was on a boat yesterday and I got to wakeboard for the first time. And those of you who know wakeboarding, it is a humbling first experience. And I got drugged by this boat for like what seemed like forever. And I got half of the Mississippi River shoved up my nose. And so, I mean, the thing is, with COVID-19, a man doesn't have dignity to deal with Mississippi nose by himself in silence anymore. Got to explain it. So I don't have COVID, got some Mississippi nose, and we're good. But the sneeze-shaming culture, all that stuff, that's not the only thing that COVID has changed. And I'm sure, like, we're all aware of this, that, like, man, COVID has single-handedly dashed our plans, it has dismantled the plans that we thought were so sure. Where are my planners out there? Who, who are some planners out there? Like how many of you guys like plan your life to a T? I bet this is such a hard season for you. But for myself, as I'm like planning, as I'm thinking about my life, as I'm thinking about the upcoming school year and the students coming in, I'm kind of like, man, I, Lord, I, I don't know what to do. It's like so hard to make plans. Things are changing so much. So things just don't seem very certain. And I just found myself this last week just praying like, Lord, I know that we have a future and a hope in you, but like, how, like, what's the plan? How do we live in hope when we can't see our future? And maybe some of you guys are a little bit smarter than me and you already realize like, well, Carl, we never can see our future. <laughs> but... 
it kind of feels like it sometimes, right? Like when things are quote unquote normal, we have this illusion of control. We think that like we can make plans months, years, five years, 10 years out. And it seems like it's pretty sure at some points. But now I feel like with COVID-19, we've realized, man, we don't really have control in this season. And as I was processing through this, uh, a verse came to mind from the Proverbs. And it says, man makes his plans, but God establishes his steps. And that's always true. Essentially, that means that right now in this uncertain season, we have the same amount of control that we did back when things were normal and we thought we had control. We have the same exact amount of control that we had back then. Like what that also means is right now, the same person is in control of all of life. Right now, like both with like the weird face masks, knee shaming culture of COVID and back when things were normal, the same person is in control and it is God. And that is good news. That is such good news. He is the one person that we should really want to be in control, not ourselves. God is in control and that is good news. And so, yeah, God is in control, but maybe we still feel like I'm just waiting for this pandemic to be over. I'm just waiting to get through it, waiting for it to be done. And yeah, this is largely a season of waiting for all of us. But what I want us to talk about today and what I want us to see is that there is a big difference between waiting on the Lord and just waiting on the world to change, right? One is active, the other one is passive. One leads to hope and the other one leads to apathy, But my hope is that as we explore what it looks like to wait on the Lord, instead of just waiting on the Lord to change, waiting on the world to change, when we wait on the Lord, I hope that we can experience what it says in Isaiah 30, that blessed are those who wait on the Lord. And so I also just want us to think, though, at the same time, beyond just our experience, because I think it's helpful for us to realize that following the Lord isn't just about making our lives better. Even though when we wait on the Lord, we are blessed, it's more than just about us experiencing blessing. It's way more than that because the truth is, the reality is, if we just think like that, we make life about ourselves. But it's more than that. We're actually called. We actually have a responsibility as children of God. It actually, the fact that we're children of God makes us royalty. And think about good royalty versus bad royalty. I mean, through books that we've read, through movies that we've watched, we've all seen examples of both good and bad royalty, right? Bad royalty is all about themselves, all about like proving themselves, all about getting what they want, and they neglect the people that follow them and that watch them. But good royalty actually owns the fact that, wow, the things I do and the way I direct my life actually deeply impacts everybody around me. And so as children of God, as royalty in the kingdom of heaven, we shouldn't just disengage and wait it out and wait on the world to change. But rather, we need to really engage with reality. We need to wait on the Lord and actually serve him in this time. 
And so how do we wait on the Lord? We're going to look, we're going to jump right into Psalm 25. And one thing I love about the Psalms, they're like songs and hymns and praises. But also what they are is they're an honest look at the personal relationship with God that people like David and Solomon and Asaph and others had. And we get to actually, when we read them, we get to see an inside look on how we can actually experience praise, honesty, mourning rejoicing, and waiting on the Lord. And so Psalm 25 is all about waiting on the Lord. We're going to jump right in with the first three verses today. And they say this, To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Let me not be put to shame. Let not my enemies exalt over me, God. Indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. That is such a good proclamation. None who wait for you shall be put to shame. They shall be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous. And now what I want us to see right away is that it's not about, this is not just about false positivity. David's going to get really honest and actually like express some really negative emotions later. And so it's not about starting with this false positivity, but actually what David is doing right here in the beginning is he is fixing his eyes on God. And it just got me thinking about spinning. Have you guys ever been on a merry-go-round? I can't tell you the last time I saw them. I think they're starting to take them out of parks because they're a little bit dangerous. But I remember loving the merry-go-round when I was a kid. And you'd sit in the middle, you'd stand in the middle, and your friend would run and push it and spin that thing as fast as you can. And if you can remember, you start like spinning and your, your brain starts to wobble a little bit. But have you ever like spun so much that your head starts to go like this? Like you're spinning around and your head's like, which way is up? Which way is down? Is trying to figure it out. I remember doing that all the time. And one time one of my buddies gave me a piece of advice and he said, hey, in order to like avoid the wobbles of the, sp- of the spinning, try to just like fix your eyes on one point. And that'll actually help you not be dizzy. And I watched him do it and he jumped on the middle of the merry-go-round. We spun him. And as he would spin around, as his body would spin, he would focus and then he'd flip his head around and he'd focus again and he'd flip his head around. And what that started to do is it allowed him to not get like super dizzy. So he could go way faster than all of us. Dancers use this. People on ice skates use this. I don't even know what they're called. People on ice skates use this, but they do it to keep from getting dizzy. And now what that had me thinking about is that when we're trying in life, to kind of juggle everything that's going on. When we're like getting overwhelmed with all of the possibilities of like, oh my gosh, I can't plan, I can't figure it out. I've got to try to like process everything at once. It gets overwhelming and you literally feel dizzy in life. But what David is demonstrating for us is that in the waiting, in those moments when we don't have control and it feels like life is spinning out of control, he's encouraging us to fix our eyes on Jesus to fix our eyes on God. And what that'll do is that it'll help you slow down a little bit. It'll keep us from getting the shakes and the dizziness in life and overwhelmed with every possibility and everything going on. He's encouraging us to start with fixing our eyes on Jesus in the waiting. And my question for you is, what do you tend to focus on instead of Jesus in these dizzying seasons? What makes you dizzy What makes you overwhelmed in these waiting seasons? When things aren't going your way, where does your mind go? 
And I feel like as I've processed through this, as I've been talking with other people, there's kind of a pattern that starts to emerge. Like, I feel like it starts, we start in this area of uncertainty. Like, oh man, my plans are gone. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what, what we're going to do. And that tends, that uncertainty tends to lead to fear. And we start to be fearful. Oh my gosh, this isn't going to work out. Oh, like, I, like I'm just so overwhelmed with all these emotions. I'm afraid. And eventually when fear gets super intense, it leads to like one or two things. It either leads to apathy where you just want to disengage and you're like, I'm afraid. I can't, I can't do this. I'm just going to like pretend like it's okay. I'm just going to wait this out. I'm going to disengage because I can't handle all these emotions. Or you get super controlling, where it's like, I have to control every little thing because I can't control the future. I have to control every little thing right now, and this, and this, and this, and you just get super, super stressed out. Either of those camps that we find ourselves in, whether it's apathy or whether it's that hyper control, I feel like we're not meant to be in those places. And we're stressed out in those places. Something's not right. And so we tend to go to things that will comfort us or kind of ease our passage. Things like certain addictions, sometimes even fits of anger. Or the one for me that I recognized this last week is envy. And as I was struggling with envy, I came across this passage that just like, it was just, it made too much sense. It was like so timely, so timely that I feel like I have to share. I was just, I've been watching a lot of YouTube and Netflix in the waiting. <laughs> I've been like watching a lot of documentaries and like watching these YouTubers. And man, they go around the world and they film themselves doing these really cool experiences, like going on zip lines and like eating all this awesome food. And then they post it online and they get paid for it. They get paid to go on vacation. And I was like, oh my gosh, I chose the wrong line of work. I was like, why didn't I just pick up a camera when I was younger? I want to be a YouTuber. I want to travel around the world and like just do fun stuff and get paid millions of dollars. And I like, <laughs> it sounds funny, but I literally had a deep seat of envy in my heart for like these people. And <laughs> I was reading the Proverbs and there's 31 Proverbs, one for every day of the month, most months. And I was on Proverbs 23 on the 23rd. And it said, verses 17 and 18, don't let your heart envy sinners. Instead, always fear the Lord. For then you will have a future and your hope will not be dashed. That was crazy timing. Hope in future, that's what we've been talking about. And I was like, Lord, I have totally been envying sinners. I've totally been envying other ways of life that aren't glorifying to you, that don't have the sole purpose of glorifying your name. And what this proverb says is instead, always fear the Lord. And I just want to talk about what that means, because I think fear of the Lord is a complicated thing. Sometimes it sounds like it, but it's pretty simple. What it is not Fear of the Lord is not being terrified to be around God because he's unpredictable and abusive. That is not it. I think sometimes that's like where our go-to is when it comes to fear because fear is associated with something out of my control and something that will hurt me. That's not what fear of the Lord is. What fear of the Lord really is, is the utmost respect for the Lord because he has all of the power. 
It's recognizing he has all the power. He is worthy of all of my respect. And so what this passage, the encouragement I received was fix your eyes on the Lord. For then you will have a future and your hope will not be dashed. And so wherever, you're, wherever you find yourself trying to get comfort in this kind of overwhelming season, I really want to encourage you to really just fix your eyes on the Lord. Don't envy the position of others. Don't go to these cheap little like pastimes just to like get you through. Fix your eyes on the Lord. He will help you engage with reality. Let's get back to the book. Verses four and five. It says, make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. For you, Lord, I wait all the day long. And I know that some of you guys are going to get hung up on that last part like me. Like, hold on. Did he just say, I wait all the day long? Like all day? Like, oh my gosh, that's so much time to wait. We have such a negative connotation towards waiting in our culture. Because our culture says waiting is wasting. But rather the kingdom, what the kingdom of heaven says, is that waiting is actually transformative. When you wait on the Lord, when you engage your reality with him, it tra it's transformational. It's actually a very important part of our lives that we experience these seasons of waiting on the Lord. It's when we actually develop trust in him. And so I just want to ask a question for you. If you're skeptical of waiting on the Lord, I just want to ask you a question. Have you ever looked at your life and wondered why you just can't seem to change? Have you ever just been stuck in the same old stuff? Like you yearn for transformation. You earnestly yearn to experience the fullness of life in Jesus, but it seems out of reach. Is that you? My question for you is how fast are you living your life? Because living fast is a way to just get through it. It's just a way to like busy your time so you don't have to think, so you don't have to engage reality and just get through life. Are you confronting your reality or are you trying to escape it? Are you waiting on the Lord or just passing time? And I think culture would also say that waiting is wasting because they think it's passive and you're just sitting and you're not doing anything. But really, you guys, waiting on the Lord is active, not passive. Look at verses four and five. David is saying, Lord, in the waiting, make me to know your ways. God, teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. We're not just sitting there and like, all right, Lord, I'm waiting on you to change things. But we're actually like, God, in the waiting, I know I can't control everything. I know I can't do maybe what I want to do, but I trust you, Lord. Teach me your ways. Your ways are way better this time in the waiting. Maybe I can't do the things that I wanted to do, but I can offer up my life to you so that you can transform it, so you can make me more into the image of your son. Jesus, transform my life. Teach me your ways. If you find yourself in the waiting, this is one thing that we can do. We can offer our lives up to the Lord and say, Lord, teach me your ways in the waiting. I know you're not trying to waste my time. Teach me, Jesus. And let's jump back in. I love this next section. I love the tone of this next section, verses 6 to 10. 
He says, remember your mercy, O Lord, and your steadfast love, for they have been from old, from the beginning. Remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions. God, according to your steadfast love, remember me. For the sake of your goodness, O Lord, good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in what is right. He teaches the humble his way. All of the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness. I love that. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. Here, you guys, the psalmist is doing a holy good thing that I really want to encourage you to do. That is, that is just such an encouraging thing. What he is doing is he is calling upon God's character and his promises. It's so simple. He is just calling upon what he knows to be the character of God and the promises that God has made to his people. When you call upon the character and the promises of the Lord, you actually get to experience them. It's so much different when we do it than when we hear somebody else say it. Because like we've been saying, like Christianity is relationship with God. It's personal relationship with God. It's not an ideology that I can teach you. It's not. It simply isn't. It requires that you go before the Lord, that you stand in his presence and you experience relationship with him. And so I just really want to encourage you guys in the waiting, call upon God's character and promises. You guys, in, Isaiah, in Exodus 34, when God said he was merciful and gracious, he meant it. You can experience that personally. A little bit later in that section, when God said that he is slow to anger in abounding in steadfast love, he meant it. You can experience it. In Isaiah 43, when God said he will blot out our transgressions and remember our sins no more, he meant it. You can experience complete and total forgiveness. Personal relationship with God, you guys, in the waiting Humble yourself before God and call upon his promises. Humble yourself before him and, and call upon his promises one by one and experience them personally. The next verse is 11 through 15. He says, For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my guilt, for it is great. Who is the man who fears the Lord? Or in other words, who is the man who respects God to the utmost, who recognizes that God has all of the power? That man, God will instruct in the way that he should choose. His soul shall abide in well-being, and his offspring shall inherit the land. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him, and he makes known to them his covenant. My eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he will pluck me out of the net. What does that have to do with waiting on the Lord? I just want us to really focus on just that first verse, verse 11. He says, for your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my guilt. I think that's really, really important and really interesting. It's a paradigm shift because I think oftentimes, you guys, we usually think, God, pardon my guilt because I feel so bad. Take it away so that I can feel better. But here David recognizes, no, this is, this is not about me. Ultimately, life is not about me. And so he says, God, for your name's sake, pardon my guilt. 
It's about you, God. It's about our association with God. It's more so about how we represent him to those around us. Is that even on our radar? Oh my gosh, I was so convicted by this this week. Oftentimes I'm like, Lord, I feel so bummed out because of what I've done. Please pardon my guilt. And when I was reading this, I was like, oh my gosh, it's not just about me. And oftentimes, in order to get over these negative feelings we have about ourselves, we actually have to shift our paradigm and recognize it's not about us. It's about God. You guys, in the waiting, we remember that it is about God. If you interact with your reality, if you wait on the Lord, you will experience and you will remember that it is about God. It is all about him. And that is where we're supposed to live from, recognizing God, this, is, this day isn't about me. This day is about you. Help me to glorify your name. Help me to love you and to love other people. It is all about him. I want to invite the band to come up as we wrap up. Jumping into the last passage here, I really want to encourage you to listen to the tone. It kind of shifts. It kind of shifts here for, for verses 16 to 22. It really does. And it says, Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. Bring me out of distress, God. Bring me out of distress. Consider my affliction and my trouble and forgive all of my sins. Consider how many are my foes and with what violent hatred they hate me. Oh, guard my soul and deliver me, God. Let me not be put to shame, for I take refuge in you. May integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait for you. Redeem Israel, oh God, out of all his troubles. And David just gets really honest here, really honest with all of his struggles, with his negative emotions. And it seems maybe like at first glance to kind of contradict what he said before, but it isn't. This is just part of relationship with God. And what I want us to see here in this final passage is that waiting on the Lord is relational. That means that there, there's enough room for all of our experience in waiting on the Lord. Good days and bad days. We can talk to him about our circumstances and situation. We can tell him about how bummed out we are about our plans that didn't come through. We can ask for change. There is room for all of our experience. We can trust in him and express all of our struggles at the same time. They don't conflict. We can respect God to the utmost because he has all the power. And we can rest in his presence because he is our father who loves us. At the same time, he is equal parts, powerful creator and comforting father. And so I want to encourage you, make it your first impulse in the waiting to go to dad. To go to God as our father with whatever is on your heart, good, bad, ugly, anything. Go to dad. And so y'all, in the waiting... My encouragement for you today is to fix your eyes on Jesus, to humble yourself before him and to call upon his promises, to remember that life is all about him and in every circumstance to go to your heavenly father. Would you guys pray with me?
God, we love you. Thank you that you are so good. Thank you, God, that you are so, so good to us, that you love us. God, thank you that you are in control. That is the most comforting thing in this time, God, recognizing that when we feel out of control, you're in control. Even when we feel in control, God, you're in control. And so, God, I pray that in this season of waiting, as we wait on the Lord, God, would you help us to put our trust in you more? God, would you help us to fix our eyes on you and get our eyes off of ourselves? And God, may we experience personal relationship with you. May you transform us from the inside out. It all starts in waiting on you in personal relationship with you, Jesus. We love you. Pray that you would transform us day by day in the waiting. In Jesus' name.